All right, guys, welcome back to Young Flirting and Not Thriving. We just wanted to remind everyone that if you would like to receive notifications when we post, then if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, you can go ahead and follow us. And on Spotify, you can push the bell for notifications. So every Thursday when we post, you will get a notification sent to your phone. That way you can always find us. All right. So we wanted to thank everyone for listening so far. We are going to record 10 episodes for our first season. So we are on episode six now. We have a few more episodes to go and season two will be coming this winter. Uh, We're really grateful for everybody who has listened and it was really fun getting to work with Joe and Jonah last week for our first guests. I thought that was a fun little mid-season thing that we could do. If you would like to see guests more frequently, please let us know. We do plan on having more guests. I think we're just trying to determine the frequency of how often we will have them. So let us know. Also, uh, we would love to hear how you guys found us. I know we have some family and friends that listen to us weekly, but we do have quite a few people that listen that we do not know. So we would love for you to head over to, over to Instagram or to Facebook and DM us and just let us know how you found us. We've got a lot of people listening from America, some from Canada, Mexico, mm-hmm. Europe, but then we get places like <laughs> we had someone from Thailand, I think. Oh. And I was just going, who yeah. from Thailand is listening? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think yeah, of anyone. We've had some so. from Australia, Zimbabwe, Japan. Mm-hmm. So we would just love to know how you found us. Yeah. All right, Rainy. What is your hot take for the week? So this is my hot take for this week. And we had talked about possibly doing this one last week when we were working with Joe and Jonah. But this one I felt needed to come right after we can still talk about it. If they want to talk to us and message us about it, because I was really curious about their opinions too, that would be great. Um, but I think that more people exist. Oh, and absolutely. I know that sounds controversial. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always bring to the table. I like controversy because first of all, we're kind of getting proof aliens exist. Mm-hmm. And I believed it way before we even got proof, but now we're getting proof. Second of all, there are videos on TikTok of people. Oh. However, those could be CGI. I get that. But there's also evidence of underwater cities where they have taken the evidence from before the time that it should have been flooded. And these studies say that these cities existed before they were flooded. So that means that somebody had to have built them under the water or there's some reason that these cities are already there and they date further back plus only five percent of the ocean has been explored that means there's a whole other 95 percent of the ocean that's just there Mm -hmm. there's abyss everywhere i think that the mer people don't look like ariel or the things that we're thinking of Mm -hmm. I think that they're probably closer to maybe a siren or something, maybe a little uglier of a creature. If they're listening to this podcast, I'm very sorry for calling you ugly. Don't unsubscribe. Just, you know, talk to us. Let (laughs) us know what you're, what you're doing under there, under the water. Um, Different standards of beauty. Yeah. They like to be ugly, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think that they do have arms 
and they can communicate. And that's why they were able to build an underwater city. Now, I don't know what's under there, but it would be really interesting if more people really did exist. And I also think on that same note as underwater creatures or whatever, I 100% believe that the Loch Ness Monster existed at some point because dinosaurs, there were water, or I don't know if there were water dinosaurs, but there were definitely air dinosaurs, land dinosaurs. So why wouldn't there be a water dinosaur, Mm -hmm. a giant water dinosaur that floats? Yeah. Yeah. I, that would make sense to me. Yeah. And I think a lot of these mythological creatures, I think they spawn from somewhere. I don't a hundred percent believe that every mythological creature is actually mythological. If it's been around for hundreds, not even hundreds, like thousands and thousands of years, where did these people get these ideas from were people really as creative back then like we have technology and things that can kind of spark our creativity and move us along and but I wonder back then if there was actually things that they saw and they talked about them but then over time people didn't believe that they existed because they didn't see it as often as they would like a bird or a cat or something and it became a mythological creature but they could be real so I want to know what you think about people possibly existing I think I think it's possible just like you said totally believe aliens are real Mm-hmm. I believe that there are other life forms out there. Mm-hmm. So why why can't we say that it's a possibility that mer people exist? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If you look back, any of our listeners who are listening right now can go to Google and Google aliens in historical paintings. And there are several, several historical paintings dating back to 1700s, 1600s, 1500s, whatever, that have flying saucers and alien mm-hmm. creatures in them that's just really bizarre to me yeah. where did they get those ideas for paintings if there wasn't something that they've all seen at some point mm-hmm. I don't know yeah it, and then now we're getting proof of it from the government I just feel like there's a lot more to these mythological creatures and the government just has kept it behind closed doors because they have with yeah. aliens for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and think of d- discovered it. Yeah, think of all of the new discoveries about dinosaurs that have come out mm-hmm. just in the past mm-hmm. few years, where we're realizing, oh, well, what we have known for so long, that's no longer the case as to what dinosaurs look like or how they were built. So I want to know some of this. Why don't you tell me some of this? I need to learn some dinosaur history. So off the top of my head, I think that there are a few dinosaurs we learned had more feathers than, I believe, scales. So they were more bird-like than reptile-like. Oh, Okay. And that just came out within the past couple of years, I think. And so for so long, every movie that we've ever seen, I mean, every toy we've ever bought, every picture we've ever seen of a dinosaur, we've seen them Mm -hmm. as a certain way. And now that isn't the case. So lots of scales kind of smooth. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're feathery, which... (gasps) That supports my Loch Ness Monster theory because what <laughs> else has feathers and floats on the water? Ducks. Yeah. Monkeys. Yeah. So a giant duck dinosaur. 
I think it's a possibility. Yeah. So (laughs) with so much of the ocean having not yet been explored, Mm -hmm. I think we have to be open to that idea. Yeah. So I'm also not quite quite yet. Yeah. Watch, you're going to be the person that closes it off, and then you're going to be the person that sees the mermaid tail in the water and nobody's going to believe you because you were the one that shut it down yep so be open to it I believe it (laughs) all right Haley what about yours now mine I don't think a single person listening will agree with me Uh oh and I'm okay with that but Uh (laughs) I like soggy cereal oh I am that person. I was not anticipating that. I have show notes, guys. And she wrote, all she wrote was cereal. So I know thinking, what is she going to say? Is she going to say morning, afternoon, night? Like you can eat at any time or there's a cereal brand she doesn't like that a lot of people like. No, it was this. And (laughs) I'm just caught off guard as everyone else listening right now. I had to get your genuine reaction. I am that person that growing up, I mean, I was really bad about it. I would pour a bowl of cereal and I would walk away for a good five, 10 minutes and just let the milk just sit there. Is it a texture thing? Like, what is it? I think so. I didn't like a lot of crunch growing up. I didn't like that (laughs) texture in my food. But now it's grown on me more. So I haven't completely switched where I have to eat my cereal the second I pour the milk in. I still like it. But instead of waiting five to ten minutes, I'll just wait maybe two, three minutes. That Mm -hmm. way it still just has a little bit of crunch. And I think that's okay because I like it. Okay. Well, I feel like. I'll let you think that. (laughs) But I also, I love milk. So if I'm pouring a bowl of cocoa puffs, I like the chocolate milk that the cereal creates. Oh, same. So the, like the longer it sits there, the more chocolate the milk gets. (laughs) So I feel like the flavors are more enhanced. Not if you, if you leave it for 15 or 20 minutes, it's going to be disgusting. I'm not saying do that. Just for a Mm -hmm. few minutes to let the milk kind of soak in and let the flavors mix. I feel like if you eat your cereal the second you pour it, you just don't get to taste. You miss out on flavors. The experience. Now, I get the milk thing. It's the soggy cereal part that's just sending me a little bit. Because I love Lucky Charms. That's probably one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And for... Those who don't know, I mostly eat gluten-free. So because of that, Lucky Charms are one of the cereals that are gluten-free. Oh. So that's one that I eat a lot. However. The marshmallows. The marshmallows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The marshmallows are great. Those are fantastic. I'll eat those. But, once but they there's sit. those little, what are the yellow cereal pieces that are mixed in with the marshmallows? They already oh. remind me of cat food. So mm-hmm. when they get melted like that in the cereal and it's like I'm so sorry for what I'm about to say oh no moist (laughs) 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 and so I just I can't do it I'm sorry that's okay it's okay if you love it I still love you it doesn't end our friendship but it does bring it down about two points oh 
I'm not telling you that you have to eat your cereal soggy. I just, I'm making that statement. And if there's anyone out there, know that you are not alone. I might be the one that's alone, actually. <laughs> you but, might be. But, you might be. But I just more, don't know that I can sit and watch you eat wet cat food, you know? I'm so sorry. All right, Haley, are you thriving or not thriving? Oh, gosh, I'm not thriving. I have three short stories. So this past weekend, I went to a baby shower for one of my best friends, who is also my bridesmaid. I cried a couple nights before while I was putting her presents together because I was just imagining her having her baby and it being so special. She's the first one of my friends to have a baby. And so I was very sentimental over it. So I cried a few nights before the shower, just being so happy for her. And then that evening I go to Walmart, I'm wearing a dress. I had a little cross body purse on Mm -hmm. And I head straight to the container aisle in Walmart. And Logan gives me a hard time because I'm addicted to containers. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) he was kind of making fun of me in the aisle and saying, oh, whenever we walk into a store, I always have to try to distract you from the container aisle because I know that you'll walk away with more containers that you just don't need. And then this man walks by us and laughs. So we both assume, okay, he probably relates to that. His wife probably loves containers too. And he was laughing at Logan saying, oh yeah, man, like I agree. So then I keep on shopping Five, 10 minutes later, I reach behind me just to check my dress or my purse or something. And then I realize my dress was caught up on my purse. So my <gasps> entire right side of my butt was oh. hanging out because my dress was caught up on the purse. Oh, Haley. So... The man could have been laughing at my butt. But why didn't he say anything? Could have been laughing at the container thing. Logan had no idea. And then the day after that, I am walking outside to go to church to get in the car. Mm-hmm. I thought I put both of my earrings in my hand. And then I realized I had to water the plants. And then by the time I finished watering my plants, I looked down and I only had one earring in my hand and I thought, oh "Oh, no, no, I must've just bent down and accidentally dropped one and said, okay, Mm -hmm. I'll just leave this extra one in the car. I'll forget about it. I get Mm -hmm. home from church a couple hours later, I'm putting my hair up and then I feel I had one earring in. Oh my gosh. Somehow in the process, I had put one earring in and then that earring in my hand was the second earring. That I just never put in my ear. So then I went to church with one earring in. Um, I was going to ask, would you have been more embarrassed if the man in Walmart had went up to you and said, hey, your dress is tucked in? Or was it better that he would have just left it and not said anything if that was the reason he was laughing? Good question. I think it's better that he didn't say anything, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think it was funnier for me to find out myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't embarrassed. Yeah. 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 What about you? I wonder about that. I, well, I don't know because I don't like people pointing out if they can yeah. see my garments. Mm-hmm. But then that's if it's just like a little bit. Yeah. If it's just peeking out at the top of my shirt or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if my whole dress is just tucked up in my underwear or something and you can see the whole thing the whole ordeal 
I would maybe Which, hope somebody would say something. Well, I'm wondering, since I live in the South, people have no idea that I'm wearing garments. So, oh, people, so they could have just thought it was shorts. Yeah, people normally just wear spandex shorts already under their dresses uh-huh. here. So there's a chance that he thought that I was wearing like biker shorts or something Got under it. a dress. Got it. But who knows? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'd be curious. What What do you guys think? Send us, send us a message. Let us know. Because yeah. I'm curious if that's actually embarrassing or not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, are we good to take a break? Well, what about you? Are you thriving or not thriving? Apparently (laughs) not. I'm like, let's take a break right now. We're done. Let's go. I don't want to talk anymore. I'm done. (laughs) No. Um, so (laughs) I thought I was thriving until that, but now I'm not (laughs) sure anymore. I mean, um, (laughs) so I went to a friend's bridal shower on Saturday and Haley and I were actually talking because we found it really ironic that the thing that we talked about a couple podcasts ago that people kind of give us harassment for mm-hmm. is not having kids or not being married. And she went to a baby shower and I went to a bridal shower. So yep. <laughs> that was fun for us. But I actually, I really do love the friend that is at this bridal shower. And she told me she listens to the podcast. So, oh. hey, if she's listening, I love you. Um, and I'm so excited for you to get married. So that was really fun getting to see her and her family. Her family are just, just some of the best people. They're the kind of family that when you see them, you're like, man, they're really cool. I wish I was that kind of parent when I was older. Mm-hmm. I just, I think her parents are so awesome and the, her whole family is just great. And then, uh, we went to Lagoon and that was really fun. I was having, normally I'm really calm, cool, and collected when I go on roller coasters and stuff, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason yesterday, I was just an anxious mess and I oh. don't know where it came from. I was just so worried the whole day and I, it wasn't about falling or anything like that on the roller coasters. I was just scared of getting on them and I never am. So that was really bizarre for me. So we go through all these roller coasters and despite my anxiety, I get on and I felt really bad (laughs) because I get on this last roller coaster and my friend is standing there and we're standing in line for this last roller coaster and the line is stopped and you can see that there's people stopped up at the top. And I'm like, what's going on? What's happening? Did something break down? Are they switching shifts? I just, I couldn't tell why we were stopped. I didn't think anything of it. Tried not to let it freak me out. We keep moving and the line's moving really fast at this point. So we're all the way up within like 10 minutes to the the little mini lines that they have. And so we're standing there and right before we're about to go in, this announcement comes on. Oh no. That says that there was an unexpected repair or maintenance problem. So we needed to wait before we got seated. And this announcement just (laughs) kept playing over and over and over again. I was getting kind of purge vibes, you know? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So you can see my anxiety was starting to, to move up a little bit. I'm sure. Because why? And then this was the nail in the coffin for me. This mom runs up 
and she's freaking out because her daughter is in the tunnel. So this was lagoon. So it's the cannibal was what we were on. And you know, the tunnel that have you been on the cannibal? I haven't. I've never been to lagoon. Okay. Well, you need to go first of all, second of all, you go up this tunnel and your cart kind of shifts from side to side. So it almost feels like you're going to fall. And then when it gets to the top, it stops and then you go down. And so her daughter was stuck in that tunnel with Uh, the other people on the ride, just this pitch black tunnel, like probably the car I'm sure is probably slinked over a little on the side. And the other cart was also in the tunnel just further up. Oh my God. (laughs) I was looking at pictures. That sounds terrifying. Can you see it? Yes. Oh, that looks fun. But being stuck, not so fun. (laughs) No. So when the mom came up and she's freaking out about her daughter, I looked at my friend and I just said, I can't do this. I'm sorry. My anxiety has been terrible today and I need to get off. And I think this really proved how good of a friend she was because she was just so understanding. She didn't get mad or upset at all or call me a wimp or anything like that. And then when she got off, she goes, that is so understandable after what just happened. Please don't feel bad. You know, she gave me a big hug. And that was really nice. nice. And I know that I can tend to pressure people to ride rides. And I don't want to do that anymore. After yesterday, I learned that that was not very good. If somebody's scared, that's, it's better to just let them be. And I need to be that way too. It's been a long time since the last time I went, but I hope that I don't continue doing that because I know how scared I was. And I was really Mm -hmm. grateful that she let me just get off. So it was really fun though. We had a really good day. And then I was so tired. I slept 12 hours last night. And right before this podcast, I took another hour long nap. There's Haley yawning. Yep. You got me. (laughs) I got her. I slept 13 hours. I must have just been beat. I was so tired. Well, and then I'm wondering if my anxiety, I wonder if somewhere intuitively I knew something was going to happen because of the cannibal ride. So that happened. But then my mom and my brother sent me text messages today. Apparently somebody at Lagoon was on one of those. They have a ski lift type thing that takes you from one end of the park to the other. Uh-huh. And he was on one of those seats. Now he did this on purpose, but he, at least that I could tell, he had like climbed over and was dangling from it and oh. fell and was <gasps> really hurt the day before we went. Oh my gosh. And all a bunch of the rides were broken down. It was just a really sketchy day. Normally Lagoon's pretty safe, but for whatever reason, the day we went was really sketch. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just glad I made it out of there alive. Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh. But when you go, I promise it'll be fine, Haley. It was just that one day. I just don't know what was going on that day. It was weird. Anyway, now are we ready for a break? (laughs) Yes, we'll take a break. Get some water quench that thirst hydrate yes and we will be back with questions yes welcome back guys we'll head into questions this first question came from somebody anonymous and they said 
I am dealing with some rough roommate drama right now. What is the worst roommate situation you have ever found yourself in? And how Mm -hmm. did you deal with it? Haley knows all about this. We got some stories for you. We've got some stories. But I thought I would talk about the two different levels of roommate drama I've had. I've had tough roommates when it comes to not cleaning up after themselves, that kind of thing. I wasn't super close to them, whatever. I've had roommates that did things passive aggressively to make me mad. (laughs) And then I've had roommates that were friends who are no longer my friends. So I've been in all sorts of situations. Now, Don't get me wrong. I've had a lot of roommates I have absolutely loved and I'm still friends with. I just adore them to pieces. I just have found myself in some bad situations too. And don't feel bad if you do. I think we kind of get into this expectation that all of our roommates are supposed to be wonderful and perfect. And that's just not how it works sometimes. Sometimes you just get terrible people. And that's kind of what I dealt with at times. So The first situation I thought I would tell you about is I had a problem with one roommate in particular who never cleaned. She would cook all these foods and our kitchen would get so, so messy. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point that one day she had dropped ice cream on the floor and it melted. And then I thought she was going to clean it up. So I left it for a few days. And then she didn't. So I ended up having to clean it up. So we had dried ice cream on the floor. I don't know how that didn't bother her. Oh, sick. It was gross. Or any of my other roommates for that matter. (laughs) Why was I the one to clean it up? I don't know. But when it came to her, I was frustrated for sure, but I didn't say anything. I was kind of bad at confrontation and saying my needs. So I would just kind of let it slide or... Honestly, I was sometimes passively aggressive, clean it, hoping that she would get the hint. (laughs) Don't do that either because they don't. You just need to be open and say, hey, this needs to be better. I can't live in this because it got to the point that at clean checks, I had to return home, I think three or four different times after I had already moved out because she kept dirty in the oven, which the kitchen was my job. And so I had to keep coming back and recleaning it. which was really frustrating. I thought at that point she needed to clean it, but nope, I had to keep going back because it was my job. So that was frustrating. And then the next one that I was thinking of was this roommate I had my freshman year and she, (laughs) she was so mean to me and my other roommate and she would just make our lives miserable. Uh, Just lots of fights and stuff. Yeah. Especially with the other roommate, they knew each other from, being in a stick together before they had moved in and they didn't I don't think they knew that they were going to live together Mm -hmm. but it just happened to be that way that they already knew each other and this girl got everything she wanted she had tons of money she even told me at one point that because I complimented her car her car was really nice and I said wow how'd you get this car you know and she goes oh my dad got a lesser car. So I was thinking it was that car, but she said, my dad got a lesser car and I made him trade me with his nicer car. Oh my gosh. So she did, she pulled a Regina George and basically made her parent give her the nicer thing. Oh my gosh. So at one point, 
my roommate and I were talking about how bad we wanted Cheesecake Factory. And this was when this roommate was really getting on our nerves. And so we were in our room and we're just going on and on about how we want cheesecake so bad. And this roommate goes out of her way. I think it was a day or two later and invites the room, the roommates across the hall from us, our neighbors and goes all the way to Boise, not even Salt Lake. So (gasps) Boise and posts on Facebook. So happy we're at cheesecake factory right now. I love it. (laughs) No, it was so dramatic and for what oh my gosh so to get revenge on her we were so pissed at her at that point she hated the smell of my cleaners so I would sneak (laughs) into her room and spray all of her oh my gosh I love it it was bad so that's another thing so don't just not say anything but also maybe don't try and get revenge it makes for a funny story now, but honestly, I do feel kind of bad about it. I could have been yeah. a better person, but oh, well, it's the past. <laughs> so the last one, and this is the one that I think is the most serious of my stories. Um, I probably won't talk too much or go too into depth about it because it's long, but I think this one is the one that I handled probably the most correct out of any of the situations. Um So Haley and I had a friend group and I was really close to them after Haley had moved. I ended up getting closer to them. So she didn't really talk to them much. I was probably the one she talked to the most. I would say, can you agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I was friends with this group and some of them became some of my very, very best friends. I just loved them to pieces. I was really close to them. And for the first couple of semesters, things were pretty good. And then, um, as we were living together, things started to get a little worse and a little worse. And there started to be a lot of fights and things would kind of blow up or people would walk out the doors and slam doors, Mm -hmm. slam drawers. It just, it got really intense, uh, at times. And I was crying (laughs) a lot (laughs) those semesters. It was really hard and it got to this point long story short, we had this really big blow up and I would always talk to them. If something had happened, try to get it resolved. And for the most part, we would get stuff resolved. But this time, even after the fight, things just didn't resolve. Uh, I didn't try and resolve things right away. I actually went and stayed with a friend for a few days, just because I was like, I don't know what to do with this because it was, it was a pretty bad fight that we had. And Um, One of my roommates at the time had called a roommate meeting. And so I thought that that was when it was going to resolve. I wasn't really ready to talk, but I forced myself to anyway. And it ended up just being me and like one other roommate talking. And that led to angry stares, glaring, stonewalling. I would try and talk and just say good morning and nothing would happen. And after that, I ended up getting unfriended by pretty much all of them. And that was really tough. Um, So what I wanted to say though, is when I was trying to resolve this, there was stuff I did right and stuff I did wrong. One of the things I did really wrong was beg and beg and beg for their forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And Haley reminded me of that several times. I just didn't get the message that there was a, there's a point where you don't have to ask anymore. You've done all you can. 
just let it go. If they're going to come back, they're going to come back. Mm -hmm. But I didn't get that memo (laughs) right right away. So I begged a lot. And I think that may have just pushed it further, pushed them further away. And I did go to counseling. I went to therapy and I think that helped a lot to deal with my issues. I will always advocate for therapy. Yes. I over talked about it. I think I talked too much about my issues. Um, not that it's bad to talk. I'm not saying that, but there's a point where you can wear people out if you talk about the same thing over and over again. And I felt like I was getting to that point. And I even had people kind of say that a couple of mm-hmm. times, like I'm, I'm done hearing about this. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Cause I just reeled over and over again about it. And that's something yeah. I should have just saved for either my journal or the therapist's office. Can I ask you a quick question? Of course. How would you like someone to handle that situation? So for those Mm. roommates, take me for example, if I felt very overwhelmed by what you were doing, coming to me, coming with issues often or over talking about it, like Mm. you said, do you have an idea for people who might find themselves in that situation with a friend or a roommate where they don't know what to say? But mm-hmm. maybe they do want that friendship, but that just side is just overwhelming for them. Of course. So there is an answer, but it may not make people happy. <laughs> Honestly, just be straight up and you can do it in a nice way, but you can say, hey, I don't have the energy for this. I don't think I can give you the help you need right now. I'm your friend and I love you, but right now is just not the time. I I don't want to talk about it right now. And if they get upset, you could say, maybe there's this person or this person you could talk to, Mm -hmm. or have you, are you seeing a therapist? Have you written in your journal, you know, give other suggestions. And if they still get upset, that's on them. Yeah. It, It comes to that point where it's just, that's on them. And like I said, it's, it's not the easiest solution. I think for people, I think Mm -hmm. it does kind of warrant a little bit of confrontation, but there's, there's really no other way about it besides either saying so or not saying so and getting annoyed. Yeah. So there's a point. And I had people who did that. And of course I did get hurt. My feelings were hurt by it. But when I realized later on that that was what was best for them and their mental health, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I'm not hurt anymore by it. And I think it was good that they set those boundaries with me. So that was something I did wrong and I'm willing to admit it. And, or sorry, does that answer your question? Yes, it does. It does. Okay. So another thing that I think I did right, and this is something that I really want you to take into consideration when you're looking to approach the roommate drama. If there's, if there's a part that you need to approach there, maybe not. If, if this is about all the other roommates and you have nothing to do with it, honestly, just stay out of it. If you can, Yeah, you don't need to get wrapped up in it, but if you are somehow involved, you need to take exactly your side, exactly what happened. And you need to be factual. This is really important. Be factual, but not emotional. Yes. If you bring your emotions into it, it's going to screw everything up. It is going to make it a lot more hurtful when you say things to yourself. When other people bring things to you, it's going to hurt you. All you need to do is just write down what happened. Mm -hmm. If you need to, you can literally, this is what I did with them. 
I wrote it down in my phone, exactly what I wanted to say, to say. And I can't remember. I think I may have rehearsed it with Haley, but I don't remember for sure. I think um, so. Did I? Did I? I? So. I think I did. Um, and then I sat down with them and I said exactly what happened. I did not use any emotions. I used strictly mm-hmm. facts. And it was interesting because I was able to keep my calm and my cool but they got mad. They got Mm -hmm. upset and cried or stormed out of the room or whatever. And I left feeling really good about what I said and what I did because I didn't let my emotions get the better of me. I just said what I needed to say. Mm -hmm. And I let however they reacted be how they reacted, but I felt good about what I did. And then if these roommates continue to not work with you or treat you poorly, maybe find another place to go for the time being or until you can move out. Um, Maybe find some hobbies or some new friends to hang out with. So you're not at home a lot. I know that doesn't sound great. I know your home is your safe space and you want it to feel safe, but if it's not, you need to find a new one temporarily until it can be. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You can set those boundaries for yourself too. Yeah. So when it came to me, it took me a really long time to overcome this. I'm going to be honest. Um, It probably wasn't until within, um, I would say the last year and a half, I would say about March, February, March, 2020, when the pandemic hit, I, I uh, was finally moving on and, and really moving on for good. And now when I talk about it, it's solely for recollection purposes if there's something I need to say about a certain thing that happened at the time or for something like this if I'm giving advice but there's no emotion attached to it it's just it's what happened and I let it go and that was really hard losing my friends I know there's people who move in with their friends and it doesn't work or they move in with their family and it causes things to get worse and that can be really heartbreaking, but just know that there are ways for you to be the bigger person in these situations and for you to know that you did the best you can with what you had. And if people still don't want to be around you or still don't want to forgive you, that's completely on them at that point. It took me a really long time to learn that. Mm-hmm. But now I'm at that place that not only am I realizing that it was on them that they have not forgiven me up until this point, or if they haven't forgiven me, they don't owe it to me to be my friend. There's, yeah. you do not have to be friends. You don't have to be friends with your roommates. You don't have no. to be friends with other people. If somebody's draining you or if it's just not going to work out or it's too toxic, that's fine. Because honestly, once they departed from my life, it made so much more room for other people. I was able to make connections with other people and I ended up making some really good friends. So there's a lot of different ways you can handle this. And whether it's to the level of just, they dropped ice cream on the floor and they won't (laughs) clean it all the way up to, this is one of my best friends and they hate me now. There's a lot of ways that you can handle it, but I think the best way is to state your case exactly how it happened, leave the emotions out, and know you did the best you could with what you had, and then to find a safe place until things either resolve for both of you or even just for you. 
and just know it'll be okay. It's, it's just right now. It's just in the moment and it may feel like it'll never end, but things will get better. And that rough roommate drama that you're talking about will subside eventually, whether that means you've moved out or they've moved on. How about you, Haley? How about you, Haley? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Who are you? Uh, So I do agree with that focus on staying factual and not emotional. And I feel like it took me a while to learn that. And I've learned that through one of my sisters that had really bad roommate drama just a few months ago where she had to take a step back and realize I am not obligated to be friends with my roommates. A roommate was texting her, making some open threats about how she had problems with her and that when she returned from vacation, they would be talking about the problems that she had with her. So she had to take take a step back. And I even told her, you are leasing this room from a landlord. And as long as you are keeping to the contract that you have signed, then mm. you are not required to have any communication with your roommates. Nope. So unless the problem has something to do with you breaching your contract, then she does not have to speak to that roommate. She can speak to the landlord, but (laughs) she was lucky enough to be able to get out of the situation. So if it is a situation that you can get out of in a short matter of time, then do your best to move on, let it go and move out as quickly as you can. But if it isn't that kind of situation, you could apologize, even if you don't think that you did anything wrong just to make it easier to live with the person and then make your room that safe space, go out and meet other people. And I know that it can be hard because you just want to walk into your home and feel like you can enjoy every space. But the fact is that there are going to be situations in your life where you may have a very toxic household and you have to kind of find that space for you until you're able to move out. But I also wonder, Haley, and not that I, I disagree. I just, I wonder if they should apologize, if that really is necessary, if they didn't do anything wrong. I don't think that they need to. In my mind, I'm very passive aggressive. So it would maybe be more of a passive aggressive. Hey, sorry if I upset you. And then just do your best to live with that person mm-hmm. without getting too emotional. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't think that apologizing is necessarily right or wrong or something that you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes I was just about there are that. those people that will just not leave you alone until you say something to them. And so I know that sometimes if you just say sorry to someone, that's all they want to hear. And then as long as you understand what happened in whatever situation and mm-hmm. you're confident in that, then in my opinion, I don't care what other people think. They can be upset with me, mm-hmm. but if they want to think that they won an argument, if they want to think that they were right about something yeah. and it genuinely does not affect my life, then I will let them believe what they want to say to sorry and just, and just move on. It's just so interesting because it's such an empty apology if you don't mean it. Oh, it is. It is. And the and fact that that's that can more of a way things. of kind of shutting someone up, I think. Yeah. But I think that depends on the situation. Yeah. I've learned and I've really had to work on this 
not apologizing for things that I don't need to apologize for. Yeah. And being straightforward. This is my opinion. This is what I think. Yeah. There's no reason for me to just say, sorry. Yeah. Your feelings got hurt because your feelings got hurt, you know? And if that's Um, what you want to say, say it. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I also, on the other hand, agree with maybe that saying sorry, because that's the only way that they're going to let it go. Yeah. Maybe that is the best in that situation. I don't know. That's why I, that's why I brought it up because yeah, I just wonder what kind of situation that would evoke where you would just need to say sorry, just to move on. I mean, it's, it, it's just dependent on the situation and what exactly yeah. is going on that if it truly is something that is affecting your everyday life or your emotional, mental health, mental well-being, yeah. then absolutely bring it up and defend yourself. Topher the Gopher actually encouraged uh, his roommate. <laughs> yeah, his roommate at the time, which I didn't know this while we were dating, but while we were dating, he had a roommate that was engaged and he encouraged that roommate to cheat on his fiance Ooh. because it would be fun. And he might as well get it over with before he got married. That's awful. So that created a lot of tension in the apartment. Yeah. And they try talking to him about it. And I found this out months after the relation, Mm -hmm. our relationship ended, but they try talking to him about it. They weren't able to get through to him and they just decided at that point they have to live with him. So they were civil with him. They did their best, Mm -hmm. but they just made sure that he did not make the apartment a toxic place for them. Yeah. So they were very mindful of who they invited over. And like I said, I didn't know all of that was going on. No, but I knew, I knew that for some reason they didn't like him. And it was unfortunate that I found out afterwards that that is why, that there was clear contention, but they never let it get to the point where it didn't feel like a safe environment for other people to be in. That's good. I can't say the same for my apartment, but it was impressive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They they definitely handled things when people were gone. So Mm -hmm. maybe that's a tip. Make sure that... (laughs) The drama doesn't go into other apartments or friends outside of that. Yeah. All right. I think we're good with that question. Yes. How about number two, Haley? Okay. So this was submitted by a 27-year-old female. And she asked or stated, I'm struggling to find the balance between wearing the badge of honor that comes with being busy and then having days of complete laziness. Like I get stuck in an all or nothing cycle. I feel better when I'm busy and productive. I do feel busy with good things. But when I finish and I take a break, I struggle to get started again. Any tips to improve a consistent level or attitude of productivity. So to start off with, I think it's okay to be busy and enjoy it. And it's also okay to enjoy spending time doing nothing. Sometimes you need that time to recover from living a busy lifestyle. But if being busy is something that you enjoy, I would maybe reflect on why 
you enjoy being busy. I know sometimes people enjoy being busy because it keeps their mind busy because they may be avoiding something. Uh, Some people enjoy being busy because they struggle to focus initially, but then they get caught up in something that they're interested in or something they enjoy. And that kind of powers that productivity. So when they stop doing that thing that they enjoy, then it's that struggle of trying to focus on the things that you really need to do. So maybe reflecting and asking yourself, well, what drives you? So I used to think that it was kind of cool to brag about being busy and tell people, oh, well, Mm -hmm. I have this and this going on and I am just so busy. And for some reason, I thought that was something to be proud of. Not that it's something not to be proud of, but for some reason, I thought that it was a big deal. Have you ever felt that way or have you ever met people who kind of are like, oh, I'm just, I'm so busy. No, I, I thought for the longest time that made me so cool. So productive. I was on TikTok. They call it that girl who has her whole life together. She's productive Mm. every day, gets up at a good time, goes to bed at a good time. And that was all I ever wanted to be. (laughs) Yes. And like, I get overwhelmed very easily by having a busy schedule. And then I see other people in my life, especially other teachers who may have a second job, who may have a second job on top of having a family and everything outside of school. And they have all of these things on their plate and somehow they're able to manage and still be productive and effective at their profession and in their personal life. And for me, that seems very overwhelming because I simply cannot comprehend how people are able to just manage themselves that well. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to not compare yourself to others. So if you're struggling to get back up and be productive again, is the work that you're not completing, is that something in your personal life? Or is it that you're struggling when you're at work or when you're working on schoolwork? Are you struggling? Is it something that's affecting your professional life or your relationships? So if it's Mm -hmm. something that really is having a strong negative impact on your life, then that's where you have to do that reflection, that self-reflection. And I think that it starts with really making that decision to maybe start an agenda, start having a daily checklist if that's something that you feel would make you feel better. And maybe it's penciling in that free time and kind of setting those habits and slowly Mm -hmm. adding to that list over time. But ask yourself, is it something that's having a negative impact on your life or are you just not giving yourself enough slack? If Mm -hmm. you have a Saturday where you're not working, may not be working on schoolwork, you sleep in, you enjoy brunch with friends or watching Netflix all day, that's okay to do. You Mm -hmm. don't have to be hard on yourself for not constantly working. So I think trying to analyze if that impact is something that is really going to affect your work or school life or personal life, or if it's really just you giving yourself a hard time. Oh yeah. Well, and I love that you talked about, um, trying to avoid something. I didn't even think about that. There is, that would make a lot of sense for being busy. If there was Mm -hmm. something that you're trying to avoid or not wanting to really face forward or, or you're not wanting to look at, because I know that 
I tend to busy myself with other things or procrastinate when there's something that I don't want to do. So Mm -hmm. like homework or a work assignment or whatever, I'll find everything else in the book to do, but that. Yep. So it might be easier. And I've heard about this. It sounds like the worst thing in the world, but it may help do the hardest task for your day. So if you have something really, really difficult, like let's say doing the laundry is the hardest thing for you. You just hate it. You can't even look at it. You just dump it on your bed, let it sit for four days before you finally get to it, get the laundry done. Even while it's being done, you do some of the other tasks you're kind of thinking about and then you force yourself to fold that laundry and put it away yeah. because by the time you're done, you're going to feel so much better. And then all those other little things you need to do, they may have less importance mm-hmm. or they're not going to be done with this like heavy mind that you yes. have something else to do. It's just going to be relaxing and a lot easier to get your other tasks done. So I really like that you're talking about that. And and that may not, and it could be, um, uh, not just like cleaning or something uh, minute like that. It could be a bigger problem in your life if you're going through a divorce or if you're having a problem with your kid or whatever that may be. It may be important that you take the time to look at that. You may not want to sit in that silence. You may not want to feel those emotions, but I promise that's the only way you're going to get through them because all you're going to do is just keep bottling them up. Yeah. So Um, and then I guess for me (laughs) on my side, you just, you said everything so well, but I just wanted to add a couple of things that really highlight what Haley said. There is a book, which I bet you've probably heard of. It's called seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. Yes. And he talks about four different areas in your life that you need to work on at the same time to create balance. So you never want to do one that's a lot more than another. You want to balance them. So this is habit number seven. And I did link his website down below and in the website, uh, it kind of expands all the other habits as well as this one. So you can feel free to go and look back there, but there's physical, social, emotional, mental, and spiritual. So there's four The physical is like eating, exercising, resting, social, emotional is making social and meaningful connections. Mental is learning, reading, writing, teaching, spiritual, spending time in nature, expanding your spiritual self through meditation, music, art, serving others, that kind of stuff. And you can even look at it if one of those things feels like it fits another category better. So for me, I don't consider resting physical. I would say if I'm resting and relaxing, I would say that's probably more mental or emotional for me because it gives me a break. Mm -hmm. So you can move them around to whatever fits you, but really look at, are you doing all of these things in balance or is your busy productive days? Is that only physical and mental? Are you taking any time to rest? Are you taking any time to talk to your friends or your family? What are you doing that's out of balance? Because Mm -hmm. this feels like you are putting everything into one spot and then neglecting everything else. And that's why Mm -hmm. you're burning out. You're going, going, going for five days and then you just burn out because you've only done this one thing that you consider productive. 
Yeah. Or these many things that are under the same category that you consider productive. So if it's all housework or if it's all just plain work and that's all you're doing for five days straight and then you get to Saturday and you just crash, that's probably why. It's because you have not taken any time to balance the other parts of your life. So another thing you may want to work on is where this guilt and all or nothing pattern is coming from. Um, there's definitely guilt. I can see that you're feeling behind this and why are you feeling guilty? What is it that makes you feel like you can't have a rest day that Mm -hmm. you can't take a moment? Is it, we kind of mentioned this earlier, but is it in comparison to others? Is it because you feel like you're not doing enough compared to the other people around you? Are you not being that girl? You know, (laughs) there's, there's a lot that you could be doing differently to help with that guilt. And then the all or nothing thinking pattern. I think we've talked about these before, but I linked them again below, but they're cognitive distortions and all or nothing slash black and white thinking is a cognitive distortion. It is where you think you've got to do all of this or absolutely nothing. There is absolutely no medium ground and you can do this in your physical activities in the way that you work in the way that you handle your week by going and doing all, 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 and then absolutely nothing, you're not making any space for the middle ground. So the best way to make for that middle ground is to look back at those habits I talked about, look back at the four parts of the human being that should be balanced and think, where can I, where can I kind of meet in the middle? Do I have to do all that paperwork today? Or can I do 10 pages of Mm -hmm. that paperwork today and then spend some time with my husband and then go for a walk? You know, where, where can you pull back? Where do you need to push forward and look at it all together as one entire entity, you know? Um, And then if you keep going like this and you're going, 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 trying to be productive, I feel like you may not get to the things that you actually want to do. I wonder if there's stuff, hobbies, interests, activities that you have not given yourself time for. That when you crash, you feel so guilty, you don't even do it. You know, if you like painting your nails or if you want to watch a show or play a video game or whatever, that you feel so much guilt because you're not doing that other thing because you're not cleaning the house or because you're not taking the car for an oil change or whatever the case may be. It's okay. Give yourself a self-care day. Yes. Forgive yourself. And you want to let you don't even need to forgive yourself because it's part of these four parts of the balanced human taking care of yourself and taking a rest day is just as productive as going out and doing a bunch of chores all day. It is doing the same thing. It is helping you heal Mm -hmm. and getting something, giving your body something it needs. So don't feel bad. And that sounds, I know that's harder said than done, but really (laughs) try and work through that guilt. Yeah. Well, and even if you take that time to recover or give yourself a self-care day or be mindful of allowing yourself to rest, then I find myself coming back from those days feeling so much better about the work that I have ahead. And I'm able to complete those tasks quickly or quicker than I would have been able to if I just continued to essentially run myself into the ground with being busy. It's not that you're doing these self-care days, I'm sure. And you're sitting there worrying the whole day about all the things you have to do the next day. Yeah. Right. 
you're just taking yeah. care of yourself. And when the day comes that you need to do the stuff, you feel a lot then more I'm, relaxed yeah, yeah. and prepared. Yeah. If you're going to take a self-care day, please don't spend the whole day stressing. That's not self-care. That's not no. resting. You're no. stressing. <laughs> Rest. Don't stress. <laughs> and as Haley says, get over it. <laughs> get over it. No. <laughs> no, just kidding. We, we love our listeners. So please know we're just saying that as a joke. Yes. Yes. Absolutely <laughs> joking. <laughs> Unless that motivates you. No, I'm just kidding. If, if it motivates you, then get over it. <laughs> Peer pressure. Yeah. All right. So uh, question number three. Yes. So this is our last one. And this comes from Sarah, who is 22, and they use the pronouns they, them. And Sarah says, I have also found myself in a faith crisis lately. How did you handle it initially? I assumed when they submitted the question that it was probably for me yes, (laughs) because of the faith crisis part. So this might be very conducive to what I did, but that doesn't mean that it's what you have to do, but I hope that it helps. Um, So the first thing that I did that was probably the worst thing I could have done was I didn't talk to a single person about it. Mm-hmm. I kept it to myself for months and I just let it build and build and eat me alive till it became this thing that I was blowing completely out of proportion in my head. It felt like the end of the world because I made it that way because I wasn't letting anybody talk me down from that. I just grew and grew and grew. I did try at one point to talk to my bishop and it went wrong. So I didn't talk to anyone else. And I understand where that came from because I was so embarrassed and hurt, but I do think that it probably would have been better if I kept trying to find somebody. So if you try to talk to somebody and they don't respond the way that you want, maybe try and find somebody else. Another idea I had, because I know that it can be really scary to post things online. If you feel like family might see or friends might see, you could always create like a fake account or a pseudo mm-hmm. account, something with an alter name that people won't know it's you and follow these pages and maybe um, try and make friends that way. And you can comment and say things and nobody's going to know it's you because in these little communities that they have, which I'll mention in a minute, all these communities that are there, there's a lot of people who comment and talk about the problems that they're dealing with. And so this may be a safe place for you to go and talk. But if you feel like somebody's going to catch you there, that's why I think it might be important to just make some alternate Insta account or something like that. And that idea. Yeah. And so some of the communities I think would be really helpful for you because it took me, I would say probably a year before I found them, which I'm so glad you're asking this because I hope it hasn't been a year. I hope that you're finding these sooner. Go look at Dr. Julie Hanks, Rosemary Card, The Mormon Hippie, and Richard Osler. They're all fantastic people that have wonderful Instagram accounts that talk about these kind of things openly. They mention other people that you could go follow. You can look at my podcast and what I talked about when I was um, on with Richard Osler I hope that those are maybe some good starts for your faith crisis and that you can find some community from them. I did link every one of those names down in the description so you can find their Instagrams quickly and easily. 
And then I think it's really important to establish that there's church culture and church doctrine. This was something I did not realize for the longest time. Yeah. Yeah. Haley knows. So the church tends to focus way more on culture and they make up rules. As we know, the caffeine thing is a made up rule. We can have different types of caffeine to some aren't part of the word of wisdom and some are. Um, there's made up principles and guidelines, or they make those principles and guidelines commandments when they aren't, um, they're actually just outlines, they're principles, they're guidelines. They're not commandments. So doctrine, (laughs) no, it is not doctrine. So you need to take what resonates and leave what doesn't. That's something that Dr. Julie Hanks mentions all the time. That's one of my favorite quotes from her. And she says it a lot, take what resonates, leave what doesn't. And I feel like all these rules and the more and more rules we keep metaphor, well, not metaphor, all these rules that we keep making up are becoming more like Pharisees and Sadducees rather than like Christ. He was willing to break a rule if he needed to. He was willing to walk outside the line, whereas the Pharisees and Sadducees were like, no more than 40 steps on the Sabbath day or whatever. the rules Yeah. Were. It was very strict. And for what? That's just not the way that it's supposed to be. That's not the way the church is structured. It's the way the culture structured it. Yes. The way that people in the church. Yeah. Yeah. Structured it. So then when you're looking at things like general conference, so I know that, and I'm not going to go too deep into this because this is a whole other question for a podcast, but uh, when the church announced the vaccine, right? There was a lot of controversy around that saying that we need to get the vaccine. This was an article mm-hmm. that just came out a few days ago. I saw a lot of people getting upset. If you think about it, this is a general authority giving general revelation for a general church. We have personal authority for personal revelation within this general church. So if there is something that you hear in general conference or from a prophet or whatever, it is not wrong for you to pray about it or for you to question it or for you to even say, hey, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's right. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. It is okay. And if you personally feel like there's a different way that you could live that guideline or that principle or whatever do so it's okay it's just the culture that makes it not okay and yeah who cares who cares if karen from utah gets all pissy because you have two earrings in your ears you know, <laughs> you know? Like, you're okay um but please know that regardless there is room for you this was something i really struggled with because i was stuck in that all or nothing thinking, as we talked about in the last question. So if you didn't listen to the last question, we talked about cognitive distortions, which are linked down below. Um, We talked about all or nothing thinking and black and white thinking, which means it has to be everything or it has to be nothing. And sometimes when we get into the church and we get too heavy in the culture, it's like, I have to do every single one of these rules. I have to follow every single one of these commandments or else I'm automatically going to hell. I'm going to outer darkness. I'm done. There's no room for me. Mm -hmm. 
And that's just not true. That is a shame tactic. And we don't need to feel shame in Christ church. We should feel loved. And so if this is genuinely the true church, then that would mean that every person should be able to join in some way and come as they are. If we were all supposed to be the same, if we were all supposed to have the same values and virtues and think exactly the same, all the same beliefs, political beliefs, whatever, that's Satan's plan. That's what we learned about the pre-mortal life is he wanted everybody to be the same. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We'd be just fine, but that's not it. We're all different and we're made to be different. And I have learned more, so much more from the people who walk the gray line, who have left the church, who are from different cultures or faiths or backgrounds. I feel like I have learned so much more from them than I have from the traditional Utah Mormon. It's, I feel like I have become such a better person because I want to learn from marginalized communities rather than whatever Karen down the street says. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, Richard Osler talks about sometimes it's not necessarily a faith crisis or leaving the faith, but instead it's a faith journey or a change of faith. And I think that takes away a lot of the shame and judgment that comes from faith crisis or from leaving the church. You may not want to stay. And if that happens, it is totally okay. People may make you feel like it's not, but it's okay. You're going to be okay. If it's what you need to do, there will be people who will support you and love you no matter what. Um, I think a way that you can kind of consult this with yourself is write down your feelings, make a list of pros and cons about leaving, uh, try both sides out, fill it out. You can take a break. I have a friend who is actually going through a faith crisis right now. And she's kind of opened up to me after I talked to her about it. And she said she went and talked to her Bishop and her Bishop literally told her, if you need a break, take one. You don't have to be doing this all the time. If you need some time to think and process about where you're at, take a break. You are okay. And um, consult a therapist if you can. There's a lot of therapists who would be willing to help you. And no two people's paths in life are supposed to look the exact same. So if yours is different, if yours is a three-month break or a three-year break, or you never come back, it's okay. Just create your boundaries. Make sure you welcome those who support you and let the people who don't um, leave with grace. And I think everything will work out in due time. And there's a couple more points I want to add, and then I'll turn it over to Haley. So the last two things I want to say is you need to know that you don't need to know everything. There is nothing that says you have to know everything. I think another cultural thing we have made is at testimony meetings, we have to sit and say, I know the church is true. I know the prophet is true, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You don't, you can know things. That's okay. But if you just believe something's true, or if you hope to believe something's true, or if you don't think it's true, that's okay too. I, I don't like this narrative. I think that we have built in the culture that we have to know 
everything in the church is true. And we have to believe it with every fiber of our being. There's nothing that says that we have to, we're built to question things. We're built to look at things from different perspectives and to learn from others. And so there are things in the church I straight up don't agree with. There are things that only happen in the church that I could not find anywhere else that I absolutely agree with. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not knowing. I'm okay with being in the gray. And I think there's a lot more people who are in the gray who just don't say so. So you're okay for not knowing. And then the last thing I wanted to add is I don't want to assume, but just taking from the question originally, you did use they, them pronouns, which gives me the feeling that you're in the LGBTQ community. And I know that that oftentimes can trigger a faith crisis. I don't blame you for that. Honestly, it was part of mine. I'm an ally. I'm not even in the community. And it was part of my crisis because I just didn't know how to handle the way that the church treats those within the community. And I have links below Richard Osler's podcast because, well, sorry, I have links below Richard Osler's website because he puts a lot of good resources as well as his podcast within the website. And if you click on the actual podcast tab, he has them all labeled so you can find exactly the podcast you need. And about 75% of his podcasts are about LDS, LGBTQ members. And ones who are married and have left the church, ones who are married and want to stay in the church, ones who are in mixed faith marriages, ones who are in uh, mixed sexual orientation marriages, um, ones who are trying to stay completely active and, uh, and learn to love themselves for their sexual orientation. There is so, there are so many good podcasts available that I think would be a really, really excellent place for you if you need community and you need to feel like somebody understands you because only 25%, I think around that number is actually about faith crisis. And yes, I was on the podcast. I listened to his podcast for faith crisis stuff, but I have found that even within that like little sliver, I have found so much help and healing from what I have dealt with that I, I'm hoping that that big chunk, that big 75% will help you to feel like you're not so alone and that other people understand. I really do hope that you can find some healing and some community as you deal with this. And if you have any other questions or you need to talk, um, please feel free to DM me on Instagram, uh, on our Young Flirty and Not Thriving Instagram. And I will respond to you. Um, I, I would love to talk to you more about it personally, Sarah. So don't be afraid to reach out to me personally if you need to talk more about it. All right, Haley. Uh, well, going off of that really quickly, if you want to go back to our question submission form and ask those follow-up questions and mm-hmm. include your name and pronouns, then that's another way if you would like to stay somewhat anonymous since it sounds like we do not know you personally then if you're not comfortable dming directly then you can do it through the question form but for me i have not dealt with 
a faith crisis to that extent. But over the past year or two, I've really transitioned from worrying or focusing about my worthiness from a church culture standpoint. So not focusing on what people think I should be doing or completing that checklist of going to church, reading scriptures, going to the temple, serving, ministering, attending church activities, everything that from that church culture standpoint, I may feel pressured to do or I may feel determines my worthiness. So I have really focused on having my own personal relationship with God that is truly my own. So it's not something that people can judge me on. It's not something that people need to understand other than myself. It is my relationship with Heavenly Father. It's not that checklist. It's not what other people think that I should be doing or what I think I should be doing based off of those Karens that we talk about or those (laughs) Molly Mormons or Peter Priesthood, whatever. Mm -hmm. And like you said earlier, I personally look at different church topics and I ask for myself, how do I feel about this topic personally? Not, okay, what resources does the church website tell me about this topic? Or what is the church's stance on this topic? The church wants us to be educated individuals. And I think that education is truly valued in the church. And so when I was working with the young women, I would encourage them if they had extra questions, I can't be that person to answer those personal questions for them. And I would encourage them to go out and do their own research to, yes, read those resources from the church website, but you have to determine how you feel and you have to build that testimony yourself and what you decide that's up to you. And if that changes over time, that's great. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to continue to educate ourselves. We're con- we're supposed to continue to grow and change. Mm-hmm. So it is okay if your stance on something changes, if it's different from your families, if it's different from what you believed as a teen. I know there are multiple positions that I agreed with when I was in high school and that I was very vocal about. And now I feel the complete opposite about them (laughs) because I've educated myself in a different way. And I've had these experiences in life and Mm -hmm. I have met so many different people that I've been able to learn from and I've grown and it's okay Mm -hmm. that those stances have changed. So you don't have to be the same as you were. Yeah. Decide for yourself how you feel. Mm -hmm. And if that changes, then that's okay. And maybe you feel this way for three, three days, three weeks, three years, 30 years, and maybe that changes. That is okay. And I think that's important. important Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I cannot remember for the life of me who said this and I talk about it all the time, but I cannot remember. So I'm (laughs) so sorry, but there was an apostle who I'm pretty sure had talked about over the pulpit. Now is the time to not be afraid of questions. Uh, what we used to do is if somebody asked a question, whether it was about church history or about a issue in the church or whatever, it was better to bury your testimony and beat around the bush and just move on. But we're not doing that anymore. We're talking, we're opening up with the way the internet is. I feel like people are going to learn about sticky things that happened in the church or about some of the not so bright spots of doctrine or whatever. And that's okay. 
that is okay. But what isn't okay is not talking about it yeah. and not opening up about it. We need to actually talk about it so it doesn't catch people off guard. So feel free to ask questions. Feel free to do your research. Feel free to look and learn. And I hope that as you do so, you're looking at all sides, all perspectives and not just one or the other. Really take your time. You have your entire life. There's nothing that says you have to make your mind up tomorrow. No, You can literally, I mean, honestly, I will probably be in the gray my entire life. Watch me say that. And then 20 years from now, it's completely different. But (laughs) I, I really feel like I may be because I just don't know until I die and I see God face to face and we talk. I don't know. (laughs) And I'm really okay with that and my beliefs. So take your time with it. And I I did think about one other thing as we're talking about this. There may be people listening to the podcast who aren't LDS, who are from a different faith. But from what I've learned is a lot of faiths can be pretty culturally heavy Mm -hmm. and families can put a lot of pressure on children to make certain decisions, things like that. This, all of this advice applies to you too. No matter what faith, no matter what place you're in with your faith, this all applies to you too. It's okay to be open. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to not believe the exact same beliefs as everyone else. Yes. You're allowed to be your own person and to think your own way. And it took me a long time to learn that. But now that I have, and now that my testimony feels like it's finally becoming my own, really, truly my own. It's not on the coattails of anyone else because I had to completely basically tear it at the roots and regrow it. <laughs> I am so happy with where I'm at. And I I honestly can't wait to rebuild it in a very different way. And I really love where I'm at and I feel free. I, I'm in this religion that made me feel so trapped and now I feel completely free. Things can change. Just take your time. I love that. Yeah. So that's all I have to say. Anything else, Haley? That is all. All right. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. Once again, make sure that if you want notifications when we post on Thursdays to follow us on Apple or push the bell for notifications on Spotify. Follow our Uh, Facebook page, our Instagram Instagram, page. Everything is linked below. Continue to submit questions. If you would like to ask additional questions about these three subjects, then you can also use that question submission link. You can DM us, comment on posts. You can go back to old podcast episodes as you're listening. And if you have something that you want to comment on from a previous episode, find that post or find a new post, find some way and reach out to us. We would love to hear your feedback. We want to hear your thoughts, your opinions. Yeah. And that's, that's made it 10 times better is being able to just communicate with you guys. And I feel like I learn a lot from you. I don't want this to just be the Haley and Rainey show. (laughs) As much as we do um, love the attention. uh, Yes. (laughs) I do like learning from everyone. And I, I also want you guys to know that if your question doesn't get answered, because I know this season is wrapping up pretty soon. I can almost guarantee we'll probably keep those questions around for season two 
So yes. please keep asking questions, even if it doesn't come this season. Season two is coming in just a few months. Yeah. So be patient. In a short break. Yes. We, we need the break. <laughs> <laughs> We've got school coming up. So, yes. and I think that's all a hashtag not thriving Thursday <gasps> beat you to it. Oh, I was thinking about it. <laughs> I beat you to it. All right. We will see you guys next week. <laughs> yeah. Bye.